0: Uh, we're so glad you decided to worship with us this morning. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the, the lead pastor here, and uh, we are just grateful to be able to gather this morning, uh, like Cameron just mentioned, and uh, sing those uh, songs of praise together to be reminded of really what is important and what is true. And uh, that, that song that we just sang is a reminder that uh, what God wants to do is much more than just here and now. He actually wants to do a work, a part of his kingdom, which goes on forever. And because of that, uh, it's not just about this generation. It's about how we worship, how do we gather as a community that actually extends even beyond us, that goes to our children and, and to their children. And that's a really why we're here, why we are here as a church, is to proclaim the glory of God until he returns and to pass that on uh, to, to our children. And so just a reminder, uh, today, as we gather in here, we also have people that are investing uh, in our kids and uh, teaching them about the difference that Jesus makes. And uh, that's a precious gift uh, that we've been given as a church uh, to train uh, the kids that we have been given and then as a church to be a part of of doing that as well. Uh, If you're new uh, to Ridgeview and you're, you know, checking us out and trying to figure out where you fit in and and where you belong in this church, I want to just to personally invite you to our Discovering uh, Ridgeview, Exploring Ridgeview class that we have uh, next week on the 5th. It's called uh, our Preview class. And uh, you'll see a slide here that has like the three steps of learning more about who we are. And we want to give everyone a chance to explore uh, Ridgeview and the idea of of going on a journey with us on the trail. And uh, we have kind of three steps of preview, discover, and then uh, commit. We actually have a formal membership here at Ridgeview where people who have been coming around and see our church and want to go with us in the direction that we're going, uh, you can formally decide, like, I want to put my roots down here. I want to help this church uh, move forward. Uh, But what you find is, is when you come on a Sunday, You experience different things about Ridgeview, and so this class is designed to give you the why, why do we do the things that that we do? And hopefully, your experience is positive, but what are the commitments that we have as a church that ensure that's a possibility and allow you to be on board and be a part and participate in what God wants to do? And so uh, if you've never been to the the preview class, I encourage you to come uh, next week. Uh, It's a great opportunity to learn, again, the why, where we're headed, why we're headed that way, and then how you can uh, belong. Uh, Church is actually meant to be so much more than attending. Uh, It's actually to be something like a team where where you participate. And so you can sign up for that class uh, next Sunday uh, on the Church Center app. Uh, You can also write that on your connection card, and we'll uh, give you more details. But I hope to see you uh, next week. Also, uh, today I'm wrapping up our financial uh, squeeze series. And so that means next week we're going to launch a new series. And so at the end who you can invite. Uh, One thing that we want to do as a church is to be an inclusive church where people are welcome. They feel welcome wherever they are because we know that that God meets them there. And so uh, just begin thinking and keep thinking of who God has put in your life and on your path that you can invite to participate in what God is doing here in our church. Uh, As you came in this morning, did everyone see one of these? Uh, If you didn't see it, you might have sat on it. And so you can maybe look and it might be underneath you. But uh, this is a uh, basically like a series reminder of where we've been. And on one side, if you pick this up and look at it, we have our theme verse uh, for the series. And I'm gonna read that uh, now. It's Isaiah 46.4, and you can see it on the card. It says, I will be the same until your old age, and I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will bear and rescue you. And uh, this series, we've been looking at the squeeze that we experience in our finances. Uh, a lot of the squeeze is because of inflation, which is at a 40-year high. But we also experience the squeeze in our finances because of choices that we've made, uh, not always the best ones. And then we also experience the squeeze because of choices that others make that impact us. So it's in those moments when we, we have the squeeze that, that we tend to look to God for help. And Isaiah 46 reminds us that, that God will help us and he will do what he does as God. The one who created us, who knows us, who loves us, and who actually draws near to us. He's not a distant God just waiting for us to suffer. Uh, he, he actually wants to draw near. And so we've given you this as just a reminder of that promise. And then on the, the other side of this, if you look at that, uh, this is the conditions of really God's offer to help, that these four things, as you do them repeatedly, and not perfectly, we, we, we struggle, but as you, you do these, uh, you really cooperate with God. Uh, Specifically, how he's designed reality to work. And we started the series looking at the importance of carrying our load, that's bearing our responsibility. Oftentimes, God's help is tied to our faithfulness. And uh, we can drop the ball and we can run away from the things that we have, but God always helps us as we kind of regather and as things unravel, as we kind of, with his help, begin to tighten things up again. And so, in the squeeze you face, in the squeeze I face, specifically in our finances, as we bear our responsibility, God, God really does meet us there, and he, and he helps us. Uh, the second week, we talked about contentment. Um, I don't know about you, it's very easy to be discontent, and uh, we don't often realize it until uh, we're disappointed in life and we have expectations that we didn't even know, maybe of where we thought we would be or maybe what we thought we would have. Uh, but contentment is always what the Scriptures say with, with godliness. It gives us a great gain. So no matter how much you succeed financially, how much you succeed at your work, how much you succeed with your goals. If you don't have godliness with contentment, you will be lacking. And so that's an important pursuit to budget for godliness and to choose contentment. And then last week, we talked about uh, calming our emotions. Uh, Money can make us very emotional. I just want to personally thank all the people that came to me and said, I've done that same thing. You guys warmed my heart. And so I really appreciate that. But it's in those moments where things that cost us, our emotions can get away from us. But as we, we trust God, as we look to him for help, and we don't react emotionally, uh, we can make better choices. And then, so today, we're closing out the series talking about committing uh, to generosity. Now, I came across this meme that I thought was interesting. There's inflation, there's my financial goals. That's what it feels like in a squeeze. And so, when you talk about the conditions of God's help, you know, bearing responsibility, contentment, and emotions, they make sense. But when you have this facing you, and it feels like this mounting pressure, and it's just at any point going to just collapse on you, the idea of committing to generosity and giving things away seems like the opposite of how you deal with the squeeze. Because if you're like me, when things are tight, what do you tend to do? You tend to hold on to it. And at least if you hold on to it, you've got control. But That's actually not how reality is, and so this condition is as important as all the other conditions, even if sometimes it doesn't make sense. The reason it doesn't make sense is, again, kind of our our default is in crisis is we we like control. You may not consider yourself somebody who's a controlling person, but oftentimes when the pressure mounts, we tend to tighten our grips on things because we want to make sure we're in control of the outcome. Now, we do need to bear our responsibility, but there's so many things that we can't control. And actually, money is is one of them. You can build it and build it and strive for it. And before you know it, it it no longer is there. That can happen in in a flash. So we have to look beyond our money. And again, that's the God who wants to help us. Uh, The reason we have to commit to generosity is because actually God has said this. Uh, Check this verse out in Acts 20. Here's a reality of life. It says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. To make sense, I mentioned a few weeks ago how if you look on YouTube for getting rich and growing your resources, how there's just so many videos of getting rich in a day, getting rich in a month, and all you can do to set your goals and exceed them and to get money that you don't even know what to do with. It's like, wow, I I wouldn't mind that problem. There's just so much money, I can't keep track. But very few times do you find something that talks about actually the key to your financial success is to give it away. I'm sure those views are very small because that doesn't appeal to us because, again, it doesn't quite make sense. But this word blessed actually means to be happy, and the idea is to be well off on the inside. That's the condition of being blessed. Uh, But the cause of the blessing is not us. The cause of the blessing is, is God. He's the one who blesses. And he's wired in reality to work a certain way that when we give and we release control of our resources, he actually blesses. It's like he sees us, and he meets us where we are, and he, in a way, multiplies what we do. As we give, uh, he He blesses us. Now, sometimes you read scriptures like this, and again, it seems maybe a little counterintuitive, maybe our experience we haven't even experienced that. You're like wondering, well, is that, is that really true? What's interesting is there, there's actually been so much research done even outside of uh, church, even outside of religious circles. And I came across a book called The Generosity Paradox, and it's written from two sociolo- uh, so sociologists. How do you say that word? Yeah, you guys said it. I Can't even say it even hearing it. Sociologists. Okay, guys, we're good. That was scary for a moment there. Um, the generosity paradox, saying that word is a paradox, believe it or not. Uh, but, but notice what they, what they say, and I, and I want to read this, not because it's to affirm what Scripture says, because Scripture is true whether they say it or not, but notice their, their finding. It says, generosity is paradoxical. Those who give receive back in turn. By spending ourselves for others' well-being, we enhance our own standing, and letting go of some of what we own, we ourselves move toward flourishing. This is not religious. This is from the University of Notre Dame. And letting go of some of what we own, we ourselves move towards flourishing. This is not only a philosophical or religious teaching. It is a sociological fact. In failing to care for others, we do not properly take care of our, ourselves. So notice, like again, they're talking about blessing, the well-being, the well-being of the person is impacted by how generous they are or not. And then in this book, they they go on the list, positive correlations of generosity, uh, greater personal happiness, improved physical health, stronger sense of purpose, avoidance of symptoms of depression, greater interest in personal growth. Now, if you look at this list, we have most people, especially in our country, searching for these things. Most resolutions in this new year are how can we find, go to the gym, eat better, try to join a group that's positive, like all all sorts of things. But what the research shows is like these things actually come from being a generous person. Again, releasing the grip. If you ever think about the control that we have and the tightening of our grip, it's actually not good. It impacts us, our outlook, our perspective, our health. And here's these sociologists that say, you know, this generous generosity, it actually, it makes a difference. Another interesting point of the book is that they found a significant difference between those who gave one-time gifts to those who built a practice, this habit of generosity. And they say regular practice of generosity that are repeated over time and involve some amount of ongoing intention and attention have the capacity to form people in ways that increase their happiness in life. This is, this is research. And the title of the book, again, is The Generosity Paradox. In a way, it doesn't make sense. The reason that they're finding this research is because God has made this true. It is built into life. If you want to grow well-being and financial success and contentment and emotions, you want to have this this thing of, of growth and progress, it goes through the path of generosity. You cannot detour around it. It's tied in how life works. But our entire culture, my heart, your, your heart, usually tells us something different. That is, the key is making sure you get and you hold on to it as long as you can. Not to give and to release. And so really the, there's a there's a war and there, there's a battle uh, that goes on. Here's a picture of a, of a penny. Keywords at the top, what does it say? God we trust. I remember seeing that when I was a young kid and just thinking like, wow, this is crazy that our country prints in God we trust like on their money. And when I was younger, I thought this, like it's declaring. But the older I get, it almost feels more like a reminder. It is declaring a truth, but it's also a reminder for our heart that tends to trust the money more than the God. So I see that, and I think, oh, Lord, may that be true. May I trust you more than this thing that's printed, more than this thing that's made by the hands of man. So for the rest of this series, or sorry, this sermon, I want to answer this question related to this trust, and it's this. How do we know if our trust in God is greater than our trust in money? that is actually tied directly to generosity. If you want to know how strong your faith is and how strong your trust in God is, it's tied to how much you give. It's tied to how generous you are. Again, that's the litmus test. That's the gauge. You can see how much do I trust God and release and are generous answer that. We all have to kind of take a moment to think. And so this sermon, anytime a pastor like me talks about money, There's a few reactions that can happen. One, like I was waiting for it. I come to church and I always talk about money. Actually, it would be a disservice as a church for us not to talk about money and specifically talk about giving because generosity is tied to the heart of God. He gave his son. and He gives repeatedly to us. And so we cannot talk about God without generosity and therefore we cannot be generous people. We we have to work towards this. This is who he is. And so it's a disservice if we don't talk about these things because money is tied to our heart. If you want to grow, you have to grow in this area as well. But also, I say this in all honesty. I do not want anyone to feel guilty or pressured to give. God can do whatever he wants. Now, there's things that might be convicting, And I hope that's true. I hope the Holy Spirit convicts us if there's areas of our life where we're not being generous. He does that. He speaks to us. But in this area of money, it's so personal and it's tied so to our hearts that it's easy for things to get misconstrued. And so allow God to speak to you, but fight feelings of shame or frustration or anger or even just pressure. Allow God to speak to you and I believe he will. I wanna focus this morning mostly in an Old Testament book called Haggai. It's two chapters. If you've never read it, I encourage you to read it. It has some great insights related to the idea of generosity and our hearts and our trust in God. The events that I'm gonna read took place about 520 years before Christ came, 520 BC. Again, it's two chapters and God's people up until this point had been conquered and sold into slavery. And the book of Haggai takes place where they're now returned to their home, and God had given them instructions to rebuild the temple. Uh, But as you can imagine, if you're a people that was from your homeland, in a foreign land, sold into slavery, uh, you don't have much money, you don't have many resources, and you're just trying to survive. That can feel like a lot of what we face, survival in the area of resources, in the area of, of money. But in these two chapters, can really be divided into like two sections, like two themes, not now and now. And I want to focus on these two themes as it relates to generosity. Let's dig in. The first is when we say not now, and that is when we say not now to God and the opportunity to be generous. Haggai two it says, The Lord of armies says this, These people say the time has not come, the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. So God had given them specific instructions to rebuild the temple. And God says, but my people say the time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. And our tendency is to say no to extending ourselves in this book of Haggai. Now, I can actually relate to what's happening to the Israelites in this book of Haggai, all that they've experienced and all that they've gone through. So why wasn't the time now? Well, the time wasn't now because they didn't have the extra money that it would take to rebuild the temple. If they started giving to God, how would that impact the farms that they were trying to build on the land that they had returned to? How would it impact the families that they were trying to pull together after being scattered? And so they were looking towards these things they needed to build. What would happen to their families? What would happen to their their farms? And they, they had a plan. And I can relate to that. I have all sorts of plans on my own timing, according to what makes sense to me. But God had given them instructions. But they were looking out for themselves instead of God and His purposes. And so God responds in verses three through six. It says, The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. This is like what you would call a rebuke, like a warning. It says, Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses? while this house, talking about the temple, lies in ruins. Now the Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. And so they told God, not now. We have to build our life. And what God says to them is, how is that going for you? And so for this group of people, how far along were they? How successful were they? And the answer is, not much. Now, it wasn't that they were necessarily doing the wrong things. If you think about it, uh, if you want a big harvest, you have to plant a lot of seed. And that's what they had done. If you're hungry, you, you eat. If you're thirsty, you drink. If you earn wages, you keep it safe. So they were doing everything that made sense. This is what you do to gain traction, to get resources, to find success. But they were in a decline. Why? Because they said not now to God on what he had told them to do. He told them to extend themselves, to build, to give to what really matters, and they had other intentions. And here's a reality that I've experienced again and again in my life. When something is a top priority, not now is never the response. If something is really a priority, not now doesn't work. Many times in our life as we've had kids, we have three kids and they face different uh, issues like medically and they gotta go to the doctor and sometimes those can be expensive. But if you notice with your children, you never get to a point where you say, you know what, we can't really take you to the doctor because it's gonna cost too much. Like you wouldn't say that, right, to your children? Like, no, there's times, if it's an emergency, you, you have to take them because this is true. If Something is a top priority. Not now, is it doesn't exist. You have to do it because it's so important. And God, in the same way, he, he wants us to get this. Building towards his kingdom, giving, being generous. uh, These are priorities that we have to keep addressing. We have to keep looking to in our life. Like we can't neglect. And I love what the scriptures say. It says, think carefully about your ways. So to the people, you were doing everything that makes sense. In fact, your strategy seemed seamless. It seemed amazing. But then think carefully. Is it working? Is it successful? Is it what I've told you to do? And so our default, just like the Israelites, is to close our hand to God's purposes, to close our hand to generosity, because again, we plug and play. But for called a tithe, which means a tenth, like 10%, we should give 10% to God. This is God's really reminder of how to stay on track with, with giving and, and, and generosity. Now, why? Why would God? do that. Does God need our money? Well, yes and no. You know a church costs money, right? It costs money to rent this facility. So for a church to gather and for it to do events and for it to help people grow, it does cost money. Things cost money. So on one hand, yes, uh, the work of God on earth always requires money. Uh, In the Old Testament, it was centered in the temple. That's what's happening in the book of Haggai. Since Jesus, it's in the church. In the Old Testament, it was given to the temple, and the New Testament beyond, it's given to the local church. So yes, the work of God requires money. But no, in that God doesn't need you and me to fund his work. There's a deeper purpose. And the deeper purpose is to remind us of where our trust is. If you want to grow, in your trust in God, again, the direct path is usually related to generosity because nothing challenges our trust in God than giving up resources to him, releasing that that control. This is what God does. He reminds us. He gives us a chance to resort our priorities. He challenges us. He waits for us. He's patient. He doesn't force our hand. He allows us to experience sometimes the fruit of not being generous, where we look at our sack and it seems like all there is is holes. And as we look to him and say, God, why? I'm building, I'm doing all I should. Sometimes there's just a little tweak that we can make. Are we being generous? Are we giving to the work that that really matters? When we do decide to extend ourselves, here's something that happens. Generosity changes us. It changes us. That's why it's more blessed to give than to receive because it actually does this work that changes you. I want to fast forward to the New Testament. We were at 520 BC and now we're at 45 AD after Christ had resurrected, returned. 45 years after, sorry, he was, he was born, 45 AD. And uh, there's a famine that's lasted five years in the Palestine region. And the church in Jerusalem, they're being started. People were coming to Christ, and the Christian movement was beginning to grow. Uh, but because of this famine, they were struggling to survive. And the Apostle Paul, who we talked about a lot in this series, he started many churches. He is communicating with the churches like, hey, we need to help this church in Jerusalem. People are, are growing, and they're choosing to trust Jesus, and they're following him. But this famine is, is like almost to the point where the things going to fall apart. So he reads Corinth. And this is his second letter in 2 Corinthians to the people in Corinth. And he identifies how their generosity as a small church made an impact. And check out what he says. It says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. What Paul is describing is how this church what they were facing, they choose to extend themselves, and a couple things happened. First, he's describing they had, as a church, who were being asked to be generous and to give, they they themselves were facing severe trials and extreme poverty. I don't know about you, but there's many times in my life when I've been asked to help, to be generous, and my initial reflex is, this isn't really a good time. You have that same reflex. Like, you look and you're like, well, this is a struggle. Gas is over $4 again. $4.07, in fact. Yesterday I went. I filled up my tank. It was over $100. I need a loan just to do that, right? But there's opportunities that you to extend, and it's easy to look at our own circumstances. It's like, oh, I don't know. You, try, you start to do the math. Like, I don't know how that's going to work. So this church was the same. They experienced severe trials, extreme poverty. Uh, there was no one that, that was well off. They were They were struggling. But Paul describes two things that welled up from this church that would not belong on a list of severe trials and extreme poverty. He describes it as rich generosity and overflowing joy. What he's writing in 2 Corinthians is a testimony of Acts 20.35. They're experiencing blessing beyond receiving. They're experiencing blessing because they gave. The money was gone. They, they released it. But what stayed was joy. They experienced joy. And what was the source? Generosity. And Paul is reminding this church, your sacrifice, the way that you gave, you have an abundant joy that will go on for longer than you can imagine. And that's what generosity is like for me. Sometimes as I'm struggling in my life, And it's not just money, it's just an opportunity to extend myself to serve, to sacrifice, to help people. Life can feel very dried up. I don't know if you ever feel like you're always giving to people. There's always opportunities to extend yourself, and you start to wonder, like, what about me? When's it going to come back? Well, giving is really like drilling a well uh, in the desert. That's what giving is. It doesn't matter how bad things are on the surface of life giving, it drills this well in our heart that allows us to tap into the water table of God's joy. And as we do, no matter the dryness, God is pleased and that joy and that well of joy comes into our life. I've experienced this many times in my life. What Paul is describing here in this church, what Acts 20 is describing, what God is writing to the people that responded to Haggai. So when we say not now, God is patient, he meets us where we are, but he also allows us to experience the result of our choices. And we need to pause, we need to think. Am I responding to the opportunities to give and extend and to be generous? And as you do that, as God's patient with you and you respond, it changes you. You experience a greater joy than you would not have known. That's what the scriptures say. That's a truth like we have to hold on to. So when we say no, but then respond, generosity changes us. Now, I want to shift to the second theme, and that is when God says now. So in this moment of our time in our country, as we look at economics, as you look at your bank accounts, as you look at your retirement, you may be asking the question, how long is this going to last? Prices that seem through the roof, interest rates that are high. It's like buying a home in Southern California. Like, will that ever exist again? Like, as a possibility? like The price is just, how can it stay? And so when when is it gonna stop? And the answer is, is actually, it's gonna get better when, when God says, now. It flows through the, the hand of God. And I wanna go back to the story of Haggai. Uh, three months later, after the people responded to God's challenging words, uh, they started to give to the temple a project. And as a result, he gave them some more things to think about. And he said, Now, this is chapter two. It says, From this day on, think carefully. From the twenty fourth day of the nine month, ninth month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, think carefully. Again, think. Take inventory. Is there still seed left in the granary? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet produced. But from this day on, I will bless you. So the picture is it's been hard work. You, you've you obeyed. You responded to the challenge. And God said, now. Now blessing will come. Think about these things. And the idea is as much as we want to control the, the ends, it's our role as people to be in charge of the means, like what's our responsibility? And then it's God who responds with the ends. He's the one that brings the blessing. He's the one that brings the fruit. He's the one that takes the sack with all the holes in it and he patches it. He's the one that as we drink, our thirst is quenched. And as we eat, our hunger is satisfied. The creator God, the Isaiah 64 God who carries us, who watches over us, when he says now, we will experience the blessing and the care of God. Now, when you read this, uh, it can seem like, well, is God just like some sort of a cosmic vending machine? Like I did mine, I just enter in like E29, and you just give me what I need. You ever thought like that? Like, what's the special code to unleash God's favor to get what I want? Well, again, this process is not this vending machine transactional. It's it's actually, as our heart changes through giving and generosity, we become different type of people. And the blessing that flows in our life and the decisions that we make and to build to something that, that actually will last, God blesses us, he meets us where we are. And for me in my life, usually he doesn't say now to me when I'm saying not now to him. He is very patient and he's gracious but oftentimes he's waiting to see if I really trust him. And for trust, that can be different for all of us. For some, it's like, I'm ready to trust God with a millimeter of what he's given me. And maybe as you go from a millimeter, it's like, well, I'm ready to trust God with the inch. And as you experience that trust with the inch, like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go six inches of trust. What happens is God... God meets you where you are, and as he keeps coming through, we tend to trust him more, and that's what God wants to do, change us so we don't trust ourselves, our plans, our resources. We don't put our faith in our money, in our accounts, in our retirement. We put it in him. And wherever you are, where I am, he wants us to trust him more. So this morning, I want to give you a challenge I'm calling it the now challenge. Instead of not now, how do we say now? God, I, I'll be generous. And I want to just give you uh, some different options, just practically. Uh, if, if you're not yet giving to God, when I'm talking about giving, I mean, you know, giving to the church, the local church here at, at Ridgeview. Then give a gift between now and the end of April, so like three months. We're at the end of January, so February, March, April. If you've never given before, one way that you can unclench the hand of your resources is just to give a gift. To Choose. I Got it. You say it. I'll be blessed. Another part of Scripture says actually to test him in this. So I'm willing to do that. So if you've, you've never given a gift, I decide to give one between now and the end of April. Uh, if giving occasionally, then plan to give regularly now until the end of April. That is like with intention. Like plan it, schedule it. Uh, If not tithing, again, giving 10%, then tithe between now and the end of April. What would it be like for 90 days to commit to tithing? Uh, Last week, we had our finance workshop, and we gave this challenge to people. Like if you've never trusted God to give a tithe, try it for 90 days. We call it the tithe challenge, and 13 people decided to take that challenge. And it's not, this is what he said to do, I want to obey him. I want to move in that direction. And then if you tithe already, then pray about giving a gift beyond the tithe now by the end of April. Again, wherever you are in your trust, he wants you to trust him more. So I consider this. What's the now for you? How could you respond in generosity? Most of the time, we have to just chew on this. We have to wrestle with this. Because it means we have to change. We have to change our choices, our perspective. It may mean we have to say no to other things to say yes to generosity. And that's really hard. For me, it's way easier to spend money than it is to save money. And it's way easier for me to spend money than it is to give money. But it requires a shift but I want to give you this verse which has been a comfort to me over the years. 2 Corinthians 9. It says, each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Notice, who's it written to? The church in Corinth. Severe trial. Famine. Things that we wouldn't even know what to deal with. And they had given. He says, listen, this isn't to guilt you. This isn't to put pressure on you. Decide in your heart. Cheerfully do it. And that abundant joy that they experience will, will continue to grow. So I want to encourage you to consider this. Like the Scripture saying, saying, Haggai, think carefully. I think we have a moment as a church and as individuals Take this to heart. Like in the middle of a squeeze that you face, you might be experiencing trouble in your finances like never before. And it seems like this would be the opposite time to experience generosity. But actually, who do? What we find is generosity not only changes us, but generosity changes the future. A few verses later, Paul says this. For the ministry of this service, he's talking about giving and being generous, is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. What he's saying is, listen, you have given this gift and it has supplied and helped the needs to the people, these Christians in uh, Jerusalem. What he's saying is that what you've done is this first dominoes in a stack of many dominoes. And what went from this... Thanks to this church in Jerusalem spread in that region. And the thanks was multiplied. And that's what I've experienced again and again in my life. As I've given to the things of God, to the church, to the kingdom, what you're actually investing in is life's changed. When we sing that song, The Blessing, it's a promise for generations. That's what we are giving to. Destiny that has changed. Lives that are changed. And people live forever. And as people connect to Christ and their, their, their life has changed and their future has changed and their children's lives are changed, think about the return of investment. There's nothing greater. You can't even measure it. And that's what Paul's saying is, is the thanks, the joy, and what you give to is multiplied. Many expressions of thanks to God. And so, Just a picture of Ridgeview, people who have come to Christ. In 2022, 22 people were baptized in our church. You think of those 22 families and their families and their families that are experiencing people live a different type of life. How many thanks was given up to God because of that? And kids that are learning and growing and becoming different people and deciding that you just see it's the ripple effect of God's goodness. What an opportunity we have as we're generous and as we extend ourselves and as we trust God and we release our resources, we get to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. What does this mean for you? I know for me, my wife, we have begun to talk, like what does it mean for us to continue to move towards generosity, to stretch, to sacrifice? And I encourage you to think about that as well. I wanna wrap up with some some next steps. Uh, I've already mentioned a couple of them as the band comes up. The first is take the Now Challenge uh, that I listed. You'll see it there uh, on your program handout. Uh, Decide which one you should take. Think about it, pray about it, and then take that step. Attend the preview class, I encourage you. If you're not a member of Ridgeview, you wanna learn more, uh, come next week. I think it'll be a great opportunity for you uh, to get involved, so sign up for that. And then uh, last but not least, I've already mentioned this. We're starting a series next Sunday called From True to Real, It's the launch of a new series. There'll be donuts, right? We're helping with those New Year goals, right? Uh, So join us, join us for that. But we're talking about uh, how God meets us where we are and we begin to experience things, not only true but, but real, where they impact our life. And that's actually what I'm talking about today. It's like true, giving is good. Real, I do it, and I experience the joy. It's through experience that things move from true to real. And we're going to be working through the book of 1 John. And so Illuminated Scripture Journal, Amazon, you may want to buy 1 John. I think that would be a help for you to begin uh, to read through. So I'm going to pray. If I've not met you before, I'll be at the back uh, next step table. I'd love to meet you. Thank you guys for joining us today. It's such a great opportunity to be together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word which challenges us and gives us reality as you have created it. God, thank you for your generosity. We did not create a gift. You put care and labor into our world, into making us specifically how you wanted us to be. You sent your son and you gave him to the world. You give us mercy every day. You give us forgiveness. Uh, We can't outgive you and we can't compare to your generosity. But God, this is who you want your people to be. So, God, show us anything in our life where we're holding on to our resources, where we're giving in to fear more than we are faith. And as we take a step uh, to trust you, uh, will you help us to battle those fears and to really experience the abundance joy that you promise? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.